Welcome to the Tokyo Lens Podcast, and as always, if you are a regular listener, welcome back. Really glad to have you here today, and just as happy to be back into the swing of the podcast. Today, we're talking and going deep about Japan's problem with noise pollution. In fact, I don't know if many people know this, but Japan has actually been ranked by the World Health Organization as the noisiest country in the world. This, this is a real thing. Now, if you are new to the podcast, and it seems quite a few of you are, aside from me saying hello and welcome to the podcast, I also want to give a little bit of a heads up. One of the favorite parts of, for, for me anyways, of this podcast is the sidebars, the anecdotes, the little stories that I get to share with you guys and little things that I get to go into. And today is definitely going to be one of those days because another thing that I will do from time to time is while I'm just doing my daily reading, I will come across an article or a piece that I think will give a lot of value and definitely spark a lot of these kind of side conversations. And so that that is what we are doing today. Now, one more disclaimer. This is not the first time that I have covered the topic of noise in Japan on this channel, but we're definitely going to be taking a different approach today. Day. Hopefully today's podcast will have a lot of just a lot of fun little side stories, like the time that I opened the window at two o'clock in the morning to a drunk crossdresser yelling down the road, and we ended up actually going out and drinking together. Because hey, when you're friendly with people and you smile, amazing things happen. But I want to jump into this article. So the article itself is actually called Japan's problem with noise pollution. It's it seems to be more of like a blog post here, but like I, I just wanna I wanna walk through and share a little bit of this with you. As always, it will be linked in the podcast description. So it says right here that despite Japan's international image as a country of serene temples and quiet gardens. According to a 2008 report by the World Health Organization, Japan is the noisiest country in the world. Now, I'm going to jump right in right off the bat to the very first sidebar here. This is actually not the first time that the World Health Organization has listed Japan as the noisiest country in the world. I, I don't have the exact numbers, but I know for sure that it also happened back in 2016. It's very understandable. And if you've been to Japan, right off the bat, right off the bat, there are a couple things that stand out. Like, for example, just the sounds of Japan itself, the sounds of the city, and as well the smells. But the train stations, the, the, whether you go to Shibuya or Ikebukuro Ueno, all of these places have their own very unique soundscapes, if you will. I have done entire pieces of content on the YouTube channel, which talk about how sound in station is actually used to control the flow of crowds. If you have ever walked through a Japanese train station, one of my favorites is the little chirping bird. 
this bird is actually like based on a little speaker and it's to let the visually impaired know where the outside is. That sound always leads to some form of exit, whether it be to the platform or outdoors or whatever it is. And there's lots of little things like this dispersed throughout Japan. So jumping back into the article here, it says to prevent negative effects, the World Health Organization recommends avoiding being exposed to noise over 53 decibels. The average limit in Japan is about 70 decibels. Uh, a number based on data 50 years out of date, according to Professor Matsui of Hokkaido University. And as I do this, I kind of want to pull out decibel examples. Decibel exam. I can't spell decibel examples. So I can give you an example, like just an idea of what different. So for example, a quiet rural area might have a decibel level of around 30 decibels. Um, I'd say uh, bird calls uh, or urban ambient sounds are roughly 40 decibels or so. A quiet suburb is about 50. Conversation in a restaurant is about 60. So we're going up by about 10 here. This and I'm pulling up a chart as we speak, and it gives some pretty good examples here. So, for example, a Boeing 737 at one nautical mile is 90 decibels. That's that's pretty loud. A jet takeoff is about 100, and a thunderclap or chainsaw is about 120. So that gives you a little bit of a an idea of what decibel levels are like as we get into this. So it says, while the World Health Organization's numbers are likely to be a bit skewed due to the vast size of Japan's major cities and the presence of several noise-creating air biases, there are definitely more than a grain of truth to the decibel-intense soundscape. Now, if you have been to Tokyo, you may notice this. If you haven't, I will try to paint a picture. As you walk by a construction site in Japan, more often than not, there is actually a decibel meter and there is a mic directed right into the construction site itself and it shows out to the street what the decibel level is. So this is, they, they are to a certain degree conscious of this with things like construction, but getting back to the article, it says even in local news, concerns about noise pollution are rising with noise coming in as one of the top reasons citizens complain to the Environment Dispute Coordination Commission, a government organization that oversees environmental disputes, etc., etc. Okay, so... We've talked before about things like the political campaign trucks, but there's actually another truck that really, really just drives me absolutely insane in Tokyo. And it's these guys who will come around to collect your oversized items like sofas and computers and stuff like that. These guys drive these trucks that have a giant speaker on top and are constantly playing this. We will collect your garbage, your unused, yada, yada. And it's 
so loud and they drive so slow. They remind me of the ice cream, like the, the little bikes with the bells. I don't know if you have those in whatever country you're from, but they go at that speed and they're so slow. Now, if you live in Japan and these people are a bother for you, there is a little bit of a hack that I have found. Now, most of these are not going to be licensed, which means they're actually doing that illegally. If you make your way down, very friendly, very polite, stop them for a second. They'll assume that you're going to you know, be bringing down some stereos or something for them. But you ask them at that point if they have a license to be conducting that business. Most of them right then and there will do two things. They'll say, no, sorry, I don't. And the second thing they'll do is say, I'll be leaving now. And they leave. A lot of areas are actually encouraging the residents to just call the police and say, hey, there's one of these trucks coming through. I don't know if they're licensed or not, but they're causing noise problems. And more often than not, it is like, it's like midday, like 1 p.m., 2 p.m. But this, again, has just been another sidebar. So the next section here is noise pollution in Japanese cities. It says, of course, in rural areas, there are plenty of pockets of quiet. Sidebar again. Yes, there is. And it's one of my favorite things about Japan. We've covered it a billion times, especially in Tokyo. The juxtaposition, the giant gap between the heavy city and the quiet that you'll find. The number of little pockets of green that are just hidden around the city are an absolute delight. And I, I love them to bits. But more often than not, it'll be right beside a construction zone. Or you'll step right outside of this super quiet temple into, and again, super quiet might be a misnomer, especially during the summer. Because again, if you listen to any of the like summer podcast episodes that I did, like where I went out and about, the sounds of cicadas are absolutely everywhere. In fact, just for me to be able to get a decent level of sound and record this podcast, I've actually had to set up heavy duty acoustic blankets blocking out all the windows and everything and creating a little podcasting space here for us because even today pretty much the end of august as i record this podcast the cicadas are loud and lovely outside but just the constant droning can be quite distracting so again again back into the article here it says but in major cities the combination of a culture of constant intrusive alerts and warnings salespeople screaming out deals in stores background music thin walls and seasonal obnoxiously loud local election campaigning creates a situation in which your ears are constantly under attack whether you are aware of it or not. Japanese train stations in particular seem to be a haven of noise with a consistent overlapping announcements and megaphone wielding staff. In 20, 2008, a doctor independently measured the sound levels of several stations and found that Tokyo hubs like Ueno and Tameikisano were buzzing around 100 decibels, almost double the World Health Organization's recommended 53. And again, keeping in mind that 
100 decibels is somewhere around the equivalent of a jet taking off. It is very, very, very loud. And yeah, if you get into a station, especially uh, the, the announcements, the announcements lately are absolutely nonstop. In a move to kind of internationalize even more, as we get closer to the Olympics, Japan has gone kind of heavy duty on multilingual announcements. So a lot of stations will not just have the announcements going, but as soon as it finishes, it'll go in another language. It'll go in Chinese or English, depending on where you are. Even Korean is an option. And because of that, by the time they've finished getting through all the languages, the next announcement is just about to kick off. That Again, shop staff yelling, "Itashimase" or "Yokoso" or "Nani nani ikaga desu ka," and offering you stuff. It is everywhere all the time, and it, it kind of it, it does fade into the background for a while. I found myself wearing noise-canceling headphones in Tokyo just to get some peace and quiet. But I actually stopped primarily for two reasons. I would say the number one reason was safety. It just didn't feel, I just, I couldn't hear what's around me. And, you know, our, our sense of hearing is obviously a very important sense. I don't think I need to say that, but things like car engines and whatnot, especially with the number of cars here in Japan that have gone hybrid. So things like Prius coming up behind you, you can barely hear that as it is, let alone hear that when you're wearing a set of noise canceling headphones. So the other big reason is, you just, to a certain degree, as much as I am talking about the noise of Tokyo, it does create a personality. Each area of Tokyo has its own noise. And each area kind of has its own feel. And for example, the, the noise and soundscape in Harajuku is very unique to Harajuku versus a place like Asakusa or Ueno or basically anywhere else you go. And wearing the noise-canceling headphones all the time just kind of made me feel like I was missing out on so much of what was going on around me. Anyway, getting back into this article, it says, Nonetheless, on the surface, urbanites appear to have adapted to the cries of the city. As a lover... So the article, the, the person who wrote this here says... As a lover of peace and quiet, I thought I had managed to control my exposure to sound or noise pollution well by choosing a relatively quiet place to live and trying to avoid major stations and tourists as much as possible and tourist areas, sorry, as much as possible. Now, the next section here is in search of silence where she goes, he or she goes to say, however, I didn't realize how much noise we are usually surrounded with until it all went away. And that's actually a really, really good point. Like, I don't know if my noise-canceling headphones are actually that impressive or just the gap between the loud cityscape and when I put them on originally grabbed my heart, but I thought they were like, I thought they were magic. I put them on and everything just went and it was like, wow, this, this is absolutely spectacular. But again, it wore on me pretty quick. So back to the article, it says, 
This revelation occurred during a recent business trip to Miyazaki, where she stayed at the Tsukimu land area at Kurakaya, a grouping of uh, prettily restored traditional that thatched houses facing wow okay facing a nice bay uh, now this is place is seriously off the beaten track quite a way down from even the infrequently traveled road that connects a nearby kobayashi city as soon as i was dropped off in the valley i could feel a change i couldn't quite put my finger on it okay so in here uh, this section kind of shares a lot of this particular uh, author's experience here, but I, I kind of want to share my own because I recently found my way out to the area of Fukuoka, and I talked about it a little bit in the last podcast episode, so if you want to hear a bit about that time, feel free to check it out. But the thing that stood out to me the most, the thing that was like, wow, was... I was out somewhere around midnight, almost close to one o'clock in the morning, and it was like a Tuesday. It wasn't some, you know, it wasn't Friday, Saturday night, and the streets of Fukuoka were just filled with people. There were vendors and ramen shops. There was people walking and drinking and having a great time on the streets. And I realized that there's not really a, a quiet moment in a place like this. Even, even Tokyo, you will get quiet moments. One of my favorite ways to enjoy Tokyo has always been to check out areas like Ameyoko in Ueno somewhere around four or five o'clock in the morning. It's so peaceful. It's so quiet. And yet you still have the background sound of the city without it being loud and overwhelming. If you go to Ameyoko during the daytime, this can be quite overwhelming because you're going to have everything from the, you know, all these people standing on the street inviting you into their shops. You're going to have all these like sales, all these like kind of not real sales, by the way, exist. This is an actual thing. There's a lot of shops that will do like these fake closing sales and they're constantly standing up on like a bench and they're like holding up this giant sign saying, Everything must go 3,000 yen or 1,000 yen, no matter what the price tag is. And it's a topic for another time, but it is a very, very common thing if you make your way into Ameyoko during the daytime. So getting into the next section of this article here, they talk a little bit about the, the health impact. And it says noise pollution is harmful to our health. These now... If I get into here, it says, okay, according to research by the American College of Cardiology, noise pollution is linked to an increase in cardiovascular problems. The stress of constant noise results in the more frequent release of cortisol, the infamous stress hormone, which damages blood vessels. Okay. Another sidebar coming up. We, we seriously can't get through like 10 seconds in this article without some form of sidebar or a little um, anecdote here. But when I lived in my former place in Asakusa, it was fairly high up. It was almost at the top of the building. It was dead silent. It was just, 
It was always quiet. When I got into my new place, there, there's a bit more noise and uh, the, the windows for some reason, weirdly enough, were built with single pane glass rather than double. And so you get a little bit more of that sound from outside. And this for the first like month or two of living in this new house drove me bonkers in a way that I and I didn't even realize it at first at first I just thought oh I'm I'm kind of irritated I'm irritated irritable I guess would be the maybe it's you know just the change of environment maybe it's just being in this new place but then I would realize I'm, I'm constantly getting distracted by these little noises there's constantly this sound like I could hear the steps of people way down on the street and I was like oh this is driving me nuts and this this actually, uh, my, my skin conditions started to worsen. I was getting kind of more blotches. I wasn't sleeping properly. And so I made some serious efforts to, I guess, address the sound concerns in this place. And I've been feeling a lot better ever since. I talked about getting these sound, these acoustic sound blankets here for my office space. And this has just opened up so much. Like the simple fact that I have them installed here now. If you listen to the previous podcast episode and this podcast episode, in my opinion anyway, because I listen to everything with headphones, it is just mind-bogglingly different. The echo is gone. It just sounds so much better. And my personal favorite part is it has blocked out so much of the sound from outside. One of the other big ones in Tokyo is helicopters. There are a lot of helicopters. So it's literally a constant, constant just... Uh, and back into the article, it says noise is a surprisingly important part of our well-being and being surrounded by it at all times has potentially severe consequences for physical and mental health. And as I alluded to before, I was definitely feeling it. So there are those seeking to quiet down, uh, but their efforts are limited. Uh, it says the Shizukana Machi o Kangairukai, literally, uh, Shizukana Machi o Kangairukai, literally, group to think about quiet cities, try to increase awareness of the overwhelming soundscape of many Japanese cities. But on the whole, the public and institutions seem indifferent. Now, actually, as I was looking at this, I found an entirely separate article that talked about uh, a gentleman. Let me see if I can quickly pull it up here. And th th it actually talks about something called the culture of noise. And this article referenced it as well. But there is a... Uh, da, 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 there it is. There's an author named Nakajima who has has talks about this basically Japan's culture of noise and how Japanese, especially in areas like Tokyo, are indifferent to this noise. In fact, some of them prefer it as a example or I guess just a clear visualization, if you will. I guess visualization isn't the best word, but it's it's freedom of speech. It's the ability to just share. Anyways, this this section here that says the Japanese culture of noise says cultural reasons may account for the limited interest in quieting down public spaces. 
According to research by Daniel Dolan of Tohoku University, Japan, Japanese society has a tendency to value the rights of public expression. There we go. They, they said it so much better than I could. I just, one of the tricks of doing a podcast, by the way, and it's one of the challenges that I love. It kind of wakes me up. I love doing these in the morning because it gets my brain going because you don't really have the option to just forget a word. And that's something that I think we don't realize how often it happens in normal day-to-day conversation. Just completely forgetting a word or completely forgetting what you're going to say. It's, it's just not an option here. So it keeps me alert right from the morning. But anyways, it says that, uh, that, 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 that even when loud, repetitive, and annoying. So, okay, again, I'm going to go back. Japanese society has a tendency to value the rights of public expression, even when loud, repetitive, and annoying, over the rights of citizens who may be affected by the noise. I'm going to scroll down here and see if this cites any information. I don't see any information cited for this, but I have seen other blogs uh, and posts that mention this. Uh, There's an educational blog here which cites uh, an article from 2012 that says one in eight Japanese uh, have hearing loss or at least say they do. Um, Again, because I don't see any... Uh, exact uh, references for the information in this post here. Kind of take this with with a grain of salt. In in the end, this is just kind of this writer's opinion and kind of mixed with my opinion. And in the end, um, maybe as in group mentality, they're a little more indifferent to it or, you know, they're like more partial to having the noise. But individually, individually, pretty much every Japanese person I've ever spoken to, especially in Tokyo, is not a huge fan of the noise. So it says here, this tendency is further exasperated when it comes to organizing groups such as those election and nationalist vans blasting their messages early in the morning. If you don't know what the nationalist vans are, there are right-wing nationalists who drive these black vans, have massive, just massive speakers, and they will stand in front of stations on top of the van with a megaphone and the speakers on the van just blasting just it's it's so loud even when they're driving down the street you can hear them from miles away because they are just blaring super loud music it's definitely at a level that is above the permitted decibel levels they're always followed by police who are pretty much just there to i guess curb any issues that might come up but one of the other bigger issues because there are trucks that drive through areas like shibuya or akihabara and they have these advertisements for bands or groups and there's like singing and music blaring but these right-wing nationalist trucks are even louder than that they are they're just unbelievably loud and one of the things that makes them so loud is the fact that they take the speakers and they point them up at like a 45 degree angle so they bounce up and through all of the buildings rather than being a straight out speaker so it says here that another point that comes up often in japanese blogs and articles is that in a strange way There is a type of institutional kindness at the heart of ever 
present announcements and warnings in public spaces. Although they may appear a bit nanny-like from uh, to those from other countries, for example, the 5 p.m. neighborhood chimes or reminders that the train is approaching are meant to help people. This is actually a question that I've gotten before. Japan has this 5 p.m. chime, also known as the Gojino chime. It's, it's, it's actually a really long topic. That it's, it's a totally separate piece of content in its own. But this chime here is played pretty much all over Japan. Not every single place, but the majority of places have it. And it is... Um, how can I put this? So there's like a municipal... Disaster Management Radio Commission, I believe it's it's called. And there's all these loudspeakers set up through all these cities in Japan. And they're there for things like, you know, announcements of earthquakes and tsunamis or, you know, any major thing that they would need to make a broadcast across the city for. But the most common usage of this is the 5 p.m. chime. Now, the song... Or I, there's a variation of the song or songs per area uh, that are played, and it serves two major purposes. I'd say number one is to just let people know, hey, it's uh, it's 5 p.m., especially kids, to let them know, hey, playtime is done. It is time to get home before it gets dark. And the other one is just simply a test for the system to make sure that the system is working. They do a test every single day. Getting outside of that sidebar, it says, unfortunately, they have become such a normal part of the soundscape that most ignore them, causing governments and businesses to make their appeals even more piercing in a vicious circle of ever increasing din. Yeah. That, that sounds about accurate. These two points may help explain the lack of information about noise pollution in Japan. Large-scale data available to the public is limited, and most information seems to come from research done by independent groups and concerned individuals. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Whether it's possible to... Okay, so that's basically everything in the article that I want to read before I get into like heavy anecdote section. So not all noise is bad noise. Some of it, yeah. Like for example, if you are hanging out and you know, there's, I think another one, especially in more like residential Japan is the sound of shutters. And this is something that you don't really think of, but there are window shutters like metal roller like like shutters built into so many places in japan whether it be shops or whether it be houses this that the next thing so during a period where i lived in a more residential area surrounded by houses in the as evening hit everyone closes the shutters they just kind of shut down the shutters and then they open them up in the morning so morning was the sound of everyone's shutters being opened and nighttime was the sound of all of these shutters being closed and that alone adds a bit of noise pollution but one thing that i'll say uh, outside of this is there's there's things that you know uh, there are slightly pleasant or things that you can turn into pleasant noises i want to step back to 2007 
when I first lived in Japan. I moved into this tiny one-room place in Asakusa, and for the most part, it was on a quiet back street. But it was only really quiet during the day, because you see, in the evening or when night hit, that's when everybody would be walking through that street totally plastered. And this, it was, it was, I don't even know how to, how to put it. At first it was really irritating because you'd hear people walking down the street and drinking and being all upset, but it only really took one experience to turn it all around. You see, I would say it was somewhere around spring of 2008 and I was having trouble sleeping anyway and there was a very very loud drunk person walking by my building and I stuck my head out the window ready to be just like oh come on shut up right like I was you know I was young I opened the window and the person instantly looked up to me and I realized it was a, it was a gentleman. He was cross-dressed as a female and he had the biggest smile on his face and something about that smile just kind of sparked a little happiness as smiles often do. And he looks up at me and he's like, Hey, you speak Japanese? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, awesome. Let's go drink. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I appreciate the offer, but, uh, I, I am good. And he's like, I'm not going to take no as an answer. Trust me, I'm safe. I Like everybody in this area knows me. And when he said that, I was like, I, I've definitely seen him around the area before, but still, I, I don't know if I want to go drinking with this random stranger at two o'clock in the morning. And I was like, I, I appreciate it. And he's like, instantly, he's like, what was your purpose in coming to Japan? And I was like, um... At this point, I'm a little bit worried because we're like having this conversation. I was only on the second floor, so it's not like we're yelling to each other, but I'm definitely adding to the noise problem at this point, and I'm, I'm worried about it. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, you know what? Just, just, just uh, fine. I'm going to come down for a second to talk. And so I ran downstairs and I was like, hey, um, yeah, sorry. I was originally going to ask you to leave, but you just seem like a nice person. He's like, seriously, come drinking. I was like, I, I literally brought nothing with me but my key i'm, I'm gonna head back he's like no come on one drink on me nothing fishy like there's a bar right around the corner here it's a local bar you know have you experienced the local bars yet and i was like I, I really haven't and he's like come on and so he took me to a local bar made some friends had a, it was the, the place was actually like filled with it was a small place it was maybe only six seats but there were five people in there when we got in there so I ended up standing I had a beer I got to know the owner and I actually had the opportunity to visit that place a couple times after that but it really kind of changed my view on that that you know late night drunken person noise that had originally bothered me so much but there was one more thing that blew my mind and I think it happened like the second week of me arriving in uh, Asakusa again somewhere between probably one o'clock and two o'clock in the morning I heard this like like this this weird noise uh, I, I don't even remember it was like and I was like what it sounds like someone's playing a horn what, what is that and I opened my window to see something that made me feel like it was very, very worth 
being woken up at this time. There was this old man. He, he couldn't have been more than like five foot nothing in height, pulling a ramen cart behind him with lanterns lighting it up, the entire thing made out of wood and setting up on the corner as this like horn announcement played from a little speaker on the little ramen shop. It was a portable charumeta ramen shop. And it was something that I didn't even know existed, let alone ever think I would have the opportunity to see. It's kind of like... It's like the late night weird version of an ice cream truck going through the area. And you don't you don't really get to see ice cream trucks all that often anymore. And, you know, I think for people who have never seen one, the first time they see the one, they're like, oh my goodness. But this was like that times a thousand. This guy was just carrying a ramen shop behind him. And so as he got set up, I decided, you know what, I am going to get dressed and head down there. He stopped right on the corner. So I headed down, I grabbed a bowl of ramen, I chatted with him, or I tried to chat with him. He wasn't a particularly uh, chatty individual, but we stopped, we had a good talk together for maybe two or three minutes. I finished my bowl of ramen in awkward silence, just really enjoyed the moment itself and was like, okay. That was good. I think he came by that spot maybe 10, 15 times during my uh, stint living in that particular spot in Asaksa back in like 2007, 2008. And to this day, I have never seen that again. Every now and then in front of like Ueno Station or near uh, Tokyo Yaesu area, you will see ramen shops set up, you know, the little cart ramen shops. But more often than not, it's actually a cart that they just leave there. It's not somebody who's decided to like walk through the city at two o'clock in the morning and try to sell ramen. So yeah, that's actually, that that's one of my favorite little noisy Tokyo moments. But I didn't realize for all the noise in Tokyo, how much quiet there is surrounding one particular thing. And it's Japanese people don't really use their car horns. Honking in Japan is not a particularly common sound. And it's it's weirdly... It's weirdly nice. Uh, honks every now and then. You'll get you like it's. It's not like it's non-existent. You definitely get it. But I've been out to a few different countries over the past couple of years. I think Korea definitely had the most honking of any place I have ever been. I couldn't be there for more than like. I don't think I was able to count to 10 at any given point in Seoul without a car horn going off. I've been to, you know, North America, Australia, Italy, pretty much everywhere has like normal levels of honking. But Japan, Japan really does not. But really, there was kind of a secret tiny mini goal hidden inside of today's podcast episode. You see, I wanted to bring a little value to you guys, not just with the entertainment and the stories and the information that I have shared here today, but I also wanted to raise a little bit of awareness just based on my own experience of the importance of having your own quiet space, the importance that noise plays in our overall health. 
I, I talked about it a little earlier, but honestly, during the first couple of months of living in this new place, the noise became an increasing stress. And it was a different type of stress than I was used to. I'm used to time sensitive stress or work stress or just, you know, stress with general like people, humans, whatever it is, normal day to day stress. I am used to it. And I, I think for the most part, I can handle it. But this constant sound-based stress was really getting to me, both mentally and physiologically. I just, I wasn't as energetic or I found myself taking a lot more naps or at least trying to anyway. And so a little bit of a PSA, be aware of your sound, be aware of the sound of your space, whether something like noise canceling headphones every now and then will give you a break from the sounds of whatever city or space that you are in, or whether you just need to set up a quiet little space to hang out and be surrounded by pillows. Even my little office here, like the end goal for this is to have as little echo as possible. I don't want it to be like dead silent in here, but I like the direction that we're heading in. And I feel much better as a person. I talked previously about the podcast going on a little bit of a hiatus. And one of the things that did that for me was simply the stress of sound and noise. I was like, you know what, I'm going to focus on other projects until this is something that I can truly get figured out or sorted. Because just the idea of sitting down to record a podcast episode in an area that had a great deal of echo was just, uh, I just did not, I did not want to do it. I just, nope. And just making the adjustments that I have made here so that we have our own little recording space has made all the difference. I cannot wait to bring so much more podcast content to you guys. This episode here hopefully has brought you a bit of value. If it did, it would mean the absolute world to me if you would jump onto iTunes and just take 30 seconds to leave me a review. I've been reading through those lately. Actually, somebody left a review right on my birthday. So thank you very much. It was like a little birthday present review there. Means the world to me. I really appreciate you always taking the time to listen. I hope that the rest of your day, whatever you're doing, whether you're just starting it, ending it, whether you're at the gym, on a jog, in the shower, just kicking back and cooking, whatever it is, I hope you have the best day of your week so far. May your weekend be wonderful. And you know, I will talk to you again real soon.